Welcome to episode 132 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. Recording number two Woo! of the day. Hey, hey. Yes. This I'd like is... to thank my Phoebe Bridgers like tour shirt for like <gasps> totally getting me through. Oh. Can everybody see my Phoebe Bridgers? Yes. My, I wore this to my son's hockey game last Sunday, and my hus- my ex-husband was like, do you think that's appropriate? I'm like, first what of all, it's ironic. It? It's, it's Phoebe Bridgers in her skeleton outfit, and she's and she's basically a skeleton, and I she's know, like screaming, and it, really it looks amazing. like very, yeah. I said We all need to be screaming. Yeah, I said, you know what? I said it's ironic. If you listen to her music, it's not like this at all. It's very fucking pleasant. <laughs> so, and cutting, and dark, and death, Ooh. and I love it. So I have been re-watching The Sopranos. <gasps> oh, I'm re-watching it right now, too. Wait, you what are? season are you on? Oh, I'm, I'm just on one. I'm oh, you're on one. Yeah. I'm on, I believe, I think I'm still in season three. Okay. <gasps> I got to tell you, I, you know what? It's a slow build, this show. And, you, and, I, and I forget all of the things oh that God. happen. And how different I feel now about these characters watching it at this age. You know what oh, I mean? Like, yes. it's different. I look, the kids have always been super annoying. Oh, very God. annoying. Meadow. But it's just like. such a brat. Yes. She's such a brat. They, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's incredible. And the relationship between. Carmela and Tony is so oh. fucking interesting. Interesting and, and toxic and Yeah. Oh, I was so I have seen I it's, it's I have seen it so much that like yeah. I know what they're going to say yeah. before uh, they say on it. On the last episode I of the Muck podcast, I said yeah. something in your I'm like I know you're going to know where this is from yeah. because you know every fucking line from the show. And my so my husband was there while I was watching. He's like, "Oh, I don't I'm like, "How do you not remember this?" And I'm like, "Blah blah 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 blah." And he's like, you, you've watched this too much. And he watches Lord of the Rings like on all of the time. He does? Every summer. Oh like, my God. Lord of the Rings like front, back and bottom. And every oh, time I'm like, amazing. every time I'm like, oh look, there's Dumbledore. And he gets <laughs> so annoyed. <laughs> and he also gets annoyed because I'm like, oh, your Lord of the Rings is like my Sopranis. And yes. he's like, stop calling it Sopranis. He's like, Sopranis, <laughs> Sopranos. It's not like you're changing anything. Like it's the same amount of, so-. and I'm like, I know, but Sopranis is because I, I love them. Yeah. Like, it's like Alfredi. Alfredi, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I fucking love it. I love <gasps> these characters. You know, Polly, Polly oh Walnut is like my fucking jam. Oh, this guy. <laughs> and he, th- when, and by the way, who I, I got to tell you who I fucking hate. Who I fucking <gasps> hate. Tell me. Christopher. Christopher. I fucking oh, hate he's, well, him. He's, so Christopher is so spoiled in the beginning. Yeah. He's just young and he's Ugh. like such a jerk. He's such a fucking jerk. Like, like Jackie Aprile. Late. He's always late to everything. Yeah, Jackie Aprile dies from yeah. cancer, right? Oh, and he comes in the he's bar. He's like, what are you going to do about it? And they're all doing this <laughs> to him. Like, calm the fuck down. And he's like, no, I represent you out there. I'm yeah, like, oh uh, my God, this fucking asshole. Like, just kill him. Or, like, so all I know good. is I can't wait for Tony to shoot him. <laughs> like, I'm on episode one and I'm like, when is Tony going to kill this motherfucker? Yes, wow. It's so fucking good. Oh. But Carm's accent. Carmela's oh accent is so fucking and her beautiful. Hair. Her hair, her, hair, her necklace, nails, like, like everything oh. is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. It's I, so I, good. And I can't. I gotta say, so we were having this discussion and I feel like Carmela is, and I may have talked about this before, but mm-hmm. I feel like she's one of the worst people. Yes. Out of all of them, because like they know, like, you know, Tony, he's a mobster, yeah. right? Yeah. It's what he is. He's just, he, he's a shark. 
He sees his prey. He knows what he wants. Oh, like he's calculated. Scary. He's, he's, he's so sociopath. Scary. But Carmela is like, oh, I believe in God. Yeah. And I'm this Catholic. But she'll take. Yeah. When and it she's suits conflicted. Her. She's yeah. conflicted by it. But, but, yeah. but. She will take, if he's going to bring home the jewelry, he's going to bring home the fur coats, he's going to bring, she's like, ah, you yeah, know, like she's yeah, into it. Yeah. I saw a great fucking, I don't know where it came, popped up, but probably, you know, they're tracking us basically. Yes. But uh, <laughs> on my Instagram feed, this this t-shirt pops up for sale and it said, it says Carmela Soprano. I'm buy, I'm going to buy it for you, bitch. It says Carmela Soprano and it's got different like pictures of her. And one of them is when she's in that fur coat and she's, oh. you know, she's got it off her shoulders and she's yes. doing this. And I was like, oh, she's a badass bitch. Like she's, she, she don't give a fuck. She doesn't give a, she doesn't. She tries to act like she does. It's oh, society, yeah. throwing these functions, whatever. But, Ooh, but, but Meadow is like, she's a little snarky. Yeah. Well, so what episode are you up to? I, I'm on the one where, uh, Let's see. They just went to the colleges and he oh, sees the guy. Oh, yes. He sees the guy who's College a rat. College tour, yeah. And, um, and you know what? They, he sees, he knows he's a rat because he sees this Ronald Reagan. It's the drawing. It, yeah, the, what, no, the sculpture. It's a, it's the a sculpture. sculpture. But like, what, why is that? Like, they don't really reference like how he knew it's that It's because that was of him. the way he, he messes up the noses all the time. And so when he saw the sculpture, like oh, the okay. way like the nose was done. Okay. Because there was like some slight joke like earlier on okay. in the episode. I must have missed like, that part. Like, yeah. He, he, you know, but he's having dreams and I, and so that was the thing with me in the Sopranos. As soon as Tony went into dream world, I was like, I'm out. Like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I know that that yes. fucking podcast talks yes. about it, right? The talking yes. Sopranos about the different dreams and what they meant. And, yeah. da, da, da. and so I'm like, all right, when the dream <gasps> thing happens, I might have to go listen to talking <gasps> Sopranos and <laughs> see what's going on. I but here's what I wanted to say to so you. Much. I know you do, but here's what I want to say to you. I know that like Sopranos is your end all be all, but like, that's how I feel about the wire. I have to watch the wire. Please do. Okay. Please. I, I will do it. You don't have to do it now. You don't have to do it. Whatever. It's summertime. It's a good but time. I'm asking you to watch the wire because well, it that guy is, is so hot. Yeah. Dominic. Um, yes. Yeah. He's very hot <laughs> <laughs> and he's very hot in this. He fucks all the time. And oh. it's like, <laughs> he's Hello? a fucking, and he's a mess, which, you know, is my jam. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a good white boy with some problems and I'm here for you, honey. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a friend of mine. He sent me a message and he was like, well, you're a hell of a comfort for for us uh, confused boys. And I was like, yeah, that's basically my jam is like, if you've got an issue, it's like a moth to a flame, honey. That's oh my, my God. Thing. Um, what was I going to, oh, anyway, please watch it. I, I really, it. I would love to, I mean, I've rewatched that several times and I know every scene <gasps> like, like you do, but it's just the same sort of like cruise, yes. like the crew mentality, the fucking violence. It's yeah. all of that too. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm very much enjoying it and I'm like looking forward to this being done today so I can go I, sit on my fat <gasps> ass or my big ass. I got to stop doing that. Why do I keep doing yes, that to myself? You got to stop. I have to stop and I catch myself now. I used to be like self-deprecating. This is funny. Let's oh my no. fat ass. But you know what? It's You're not okay. Beautiful. It's not. And thank you, number one. Number two, like here's what I like to say. It's a work in progress. Like we are working on this. We're doing our best. We are healthy. We're exercising. I mean, my problem is I float and I'm like, where's my candy? Like I have to keep candy out of my house. Mm. That's my issue lately. It's like, I can't float as much as I'd like to because I immediately am like, what can I go eat? Oh. That's not good. Um, Lauren book. 
Oh my God. So Lauren Book will be on the podcast this Friday, September, I'm sorry, July 15th. It was an incredible conversation. Amazing. We did it through Zoom. Amazing. We wanted to have her here. We weren't able to do it. So we had her on Zoom, which was great because we're all trying to make sure our kids don't run into the room at the same time. Yes. We're all like trying to get through this. <laughs> but she had a brilliant idea. Brilliant. Because she knows how hopeless and sad we feel about yes. the state. And she's like, you know what, ladies, you know what I'd like you to do? When session happens, I want you to come up to Tallahassee and I'm going to take you to the committee hearings and you're going to sit through everything and then we're going to sit down and we're going to record a podcast in Tallahassee and we can have different people come in and I I, like lost my fucking mind. the, The idea of this is so exciting. Yeah. Like I and I'm like okay I I'm going to put it in like as soon as they announce dates or whatever like yeah. so I can put it in to yeah. get the days off. <laughs> like we're going to go into the belly no! of the beast. The belly yes. of the beast. Yes. And I've I was actually at dinner last night and I said who I really want to see not I mean here I want to see him here but I'd really like to see him in Tallahassee too is Chip Lamarca. Like I've been dying to run into uh. Chip Lamarca. He's been all over the place going to events down here and like he just tweet, tweets these pictures. He's like just fucking shaking hands and kissing babies. And I'm just like, I want to run into him so He's bad not, and yeah. knock him off his pedestal like Ooh. with words uh, so badly. I just want to remind him who the fuck he is yeah. and like and here's what i and also would like for to anybody do. i'd also like to start buying like plastic baby dolls and covering them in red paint and just leaving him on his office doorstep can we do that I every mean, day put a, a plastic baby with red paint all over it and put oh it on his door God. he voted against the he yeah. voted for the he voted for the 15 week abortion ban he did he's part of the problem he in Florida. is a huge problem and he should not be able to sit in broward nope of all places so like let's just start go doing that to, go move to whatever county yeah. If you want to be, you know, a Republican. Or let's get white nightgowns and put blood uh, on them. Like put blood all over us and stand in front of his office. Because you're going to be responsible for women and, and putting, but you put women in danger. Yeah. How about that? Women, I mean, women, we don't deserve this. Nope. I mean, I, I when I was editing our abortion episode. And really, episode we don't from, need to be paying. Um, uh, why are we paying taxes? Like every woman should stop paying taxes. We are not being represented. I hear that. Our rights are violated. And if I hear or see one more thing from these, these, you know, and I hate the, the, the pro-life versus pro-choice because pro-choice doesn't mean that you're not for life. You know right. what I mean? Like right. I, I, I hate this like divide or like this distinction between the two. We should not be paying taxes. We're not represented. No. We're nope. not represented. I mean, our, our rights have been stripped away from us. Oh, that's what I was going to say. And these other like pro-life women who are like, oh, Roe, uh, you know, Roe being overturned isn't as horrible as you are all saying. It just puts everything back into the state's hands. So if you don't like, if your state doesn't have the abortion, you know, uh, rules, laws that you like, just move to another state mm. because it's so easy yeah. to pick up you know and move else? to another state. You know who else was loved states' rights? Slave owners. Oh my God. Slave owners. Because they knew they could pay off the fucking legislators, the it's, state yeah, legislators and get what garbage. they want. And the only way the state legislators knew they could get elected was to be for slavery. And down here uh, in Florida, the only way you're being elected as Republican is if you're pro-fucking life. And so that's who you want me. You want me to put my fucking rights and and my daughter's rights in the hands of Chip LaMarca? I mean. Is that what you want me to do? In his Vienna sausage finger hands? (laughs) That's what you want me to do? Yeah, no. I don't think so. No. And after the primary... I'm going to start taking fucking notes of who's not supporting Linda Thompson Gonzalez. 
That's yes. what I'm going to fucking do. And, and I'm going to start every, tweeting and reading their names every fucking every day. Every Democrat needs to be behind her. And full stop. There's no reason to support Chip Lamarca because if you support Chip Lamarca, then you're not supporting women. That's right. In your district. And if you're not supporting women, you're not supporting anybody else. Right. Because our right to privacy was taken away. And if you're an elected LGBTQ member, Dean Trentalis, then I, you're not supporting women. You're not also not supporting your own community. So mm. be really great if the, if the largest city in Chippewa's district, city of Fort Lauderdale, support elected mayor would actually come out for a Democrat in the party he's supposed to belong to. But it's everything. We need an overhaul of our entire political system. We have to get rid of the lobbying. We have to get, we have to have term limits. We need to term limit SCOTUS. Like there's so many things that we could be doing and we're so tied yeah. to not changing this constitution that you know, things evolve other, and change. I, I don't understand. Like every other country in the world evolves and changes and we have to be trapped in, you know. I was thinking when Roe was overturned, I w- I'm, I'm still clearly I, I'm I'm like mentally ill I'm like I'm 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 off because of it like I it, it completely stripped away everything where I was just like raw and now everything started coming up and like I'm just so fucking angry and sad like on the surface like you know we go we go to events and I'm just like hi is everybody doing you know you just put on the space yeah. and now I'm just like I don't even want to fucking go here yeah I don't want to do anything I don't want to do and, anything and the thing too it, with abortion is and and a lot of people are, are talking about it that it's not just someone get, you know, some young girl getting pregnant, right. And not wanting a baby. There are so many different types of women and different reasons why women get abortions. And because you are, are using this as a political football, you're putting so many people's lives at risk, you know, like they, and they don't care. No, and it's, they don't care. uh, And And even IVF, like even IVF is at risk for women who cannot conceive because of this whole idea of like life at conception and this, that, and the other, like that they can't, they like now there's, you know, you want to talk about like, oh, people should be able to like do what they want in their life. But now women who really desperately want a baby or want to have IVF may not be able to do IVF but because of these rules. But Tina, like, there's they, all of these things that are connected that God, they're not thinking about. If you can't get pregnant, that's God's will. Oh. IVF is not something you should be doing. Got it? <sighs> get it? That's it. Yeah. But here's what I was going to say at the beginning of this and what I was referencing from our abortion episode, episode 130 is the fact at the end when I was like, I don't understand how women can be disregarded. The fact that you're fighting for a life um, that's inside of a person who's already alive is right. where I don't understand. I don't understand where was the Where's the respect for the life that already exists? Where's the respect for the trauma that the person that already they exists is going yeah, through? Where care. is that respect? Uh, you know, it's, it's not just a womb with legs. This is a human being whose mother chose to have them right like this is something that you're not understanding that this is a life that already exists what about that person why is it just about the fetus it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense anyway yeah a fetus is not a baby a fetus is not a baby reminder yeah reminder and 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 the and the 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 times that when you start stop out speaking out we all know who you are I, I kept very close tabs on who the fuck was going to start responding and who put shit up. And I saw a lot of people, a lot of my personal friends, not say anything about this. And it's shocking. You know, it's I have shocking to, say to too, me. That, that there are people that 
just not in the political world, just like regular people in my lives, women in my life. Yeah. That, that, that are just like posting their regular everyday yeah. stuff. And I, I feel like every single damn woman I know should have some, say something. And yeah, yeah like maybe that's, what do you call it? Like the, the, the armchair activism, whatever. It's still, it's one thing that you could do so that if every single woman would be posting their outrage at this and then everyone in their lives are seeing that, right? But you don't want to piss people off. Right. And your lack of wanting to piss people off, like your rights are gone. Yeah, I love seeing people. I love seeing pictures of your kids. I love seeing pictures of your traveling. That's great. Maybe you don't want to use social media in that way. Maybe you don't want to get involved. But what? What? At what cost? At what point? At At what point point do you take a stand? Screaming and say this because people like Tina and I are so few and far between at this point, and that doesn't make any sense to me. So that's why I said when I said I'm going to step out and be like I'm done, and it's it's from a very very big place of privilege. Believe me, if I needed an abortion or somebody else I know, I could get it. I'm going to be able to do it. So I'm stepping out as someone who's like, I can do that. But I've already been fighting for this. I feel like I've been fighting for Roe my entire fucking life. I feel like I've had to defend abortion since I was a teenager. Like I've always had to say, no, 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 no. This is a good thing. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard for everybody else to do that. It's not either. a difficult fucking thing to do. And we're here now because your lack of fucking talking, your lack of support, your lou- lack of outwardly saying, I won't vote for somebody like this or I won't support right. somebody like this. That's why the LGBTQ community is so strong because they all started coming out of the closet and they're like, fuck you, these are my, I, I right. want, I'm demanding rights. Women aren't doing that and be, and or anyone else who should or be supporting else. us. Any men too. Yes, anybody else who should Everyone be supporting us. Everyone should have, show their outrage. Yeah. And, and, and because you're you, not, like when that, they think when they that, can get away with murder. When, within the first couple of days of that being overturned and I was still seeing like people with their like happy Lala yeah. life pictures. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. I mean, not trying to be judgy, but I'm being a little judgy. Fuck that. We're going to be judgy. We've, we're going to be fucking, what the fuck? I know. Cause it's only going to get worse. Did you see the fucking story about the woman with the topic pregnancy? Yeah. And the fucking doctor had, because the law already went into place in the state where she's at because of the fucking rule. That's fake news though to the right. And she went and she went, the doctor had to be on the phone with a lawyer and she almost died. She was sitting there for like 12 hours to figure out if the doctor could actually do this without losing his license. Like what the fuck what are we doing? That's where we are. And that's where we are. In a topic pregnancy, there is no way for that embryo to survive because it's in the fallopian tube. Right, so like, why don't you learn some science? That's what we need there's to do. There's no way for that to, there's no viability. That's what there's we need no to do. There's no viability. And for you to think, like, it's not like, and like, thank God for science that because when women would die of that, it's because there was no science. Like, I don't understand this attack on science. And the one thing I really don't get is when there's like, Science is like people who actually like that. Who's that, that nut job running in who lives in Jersey, but running in Pennsylvania, oh, the, the Oz, Dr. Oz, Oz, who has like a medical degree. Oh, please. He went to med school like these. And who's the other, Quack. The, the, the other guy, uh, is it Carson? Ben Carson, who's the brain surgeon. Oh, right, right, right. Like you, these people like went to medical school. Honey. Like I would not be able to get past the first chemistry class. <sighs> and yet somehow I feel like I know more science than they do. Listen, everybody needs to take a fucking class on how the uterus works. Yes. 
Here's every pictures. lawmaker. How about Anna Eskamani? Would you rep uh, rep uh, Anna Eskamani's on the podcast? Going, do you know how many times I've had to explain how a period works or what with the weeks and the timing and all that? Like she had to her fellow lawmakers who are making laws about women's bodies don't, and don't know how to fucking how it works. Right, you idiots. These are the same people. I mean, though, who say like that if it if it was if it wasn't rape or if it was rape and you get pregnant, it's because. What was that crazy yeah. guy? You're not exclu- you can you can exp- you yeah. can get rid of the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. ejaculate. Yeah. Like you it's like it's like your body you, can reject it. Your body knows if it's a rape and yeah, like yeah. It's, it's how insane are you? I don't know. What if how you like, insane are you? Like, Where in the Bible does it say that? What if you like rough sex? <laughs> I mean Does your body not know what's going on? And the I other mean, great thing so is dumb. in the Bible there is abortion. Of course. And there's a lot of sacrifices. Break. Like give me a it's, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Listen, all right, we gotta, gotta, we, yeah, we got to go. But also, yes. like, just why don't you do, do me a favor? Go get fucked. <laughs> How about that? Hard. Woo! Your brain is fucking backwards, motherfucker. <laughs> it is backwards. It is. And it's so fucked up because here's the thing. Like, and this is what my ex-husband always used to say. You know, it's all about procreation. And that's why God made it feel so good. It feels oh good because God. he wants you to make babies. <laughs> why can't it just feel good? <laughs> And I was like, well, I can't argue with that. But also, can you put a condom on, please? Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my God. All right. But you know what, though? Mm. It does feel good, though, Tina. Well, I mean... So uh, why can't we, it just feel good for the I sake know. of feeling good? And it's, that's the worst part is we're trying to defend ourselves having sex, like to and, enjoy well, it and have and, pleasure. But this is the thing. It's everything and that's is always thing. on the backs of women, the yeah. birth control, like everything. And when I see these women, like like that woman and I mentioned in the last episode where she's like, I don't trust women to not let men ejaculate inside of them. And I thought to myself, oh my this God. woman has not been fucked properly. No. And I, it's probably the crudest, awful, most worst, like the worst thing I've ever said. But well, like, if no. you get fucked properly, <laughs> but if you get, yeah, you're right. I have said a lot. <laughs> oh my God. But if you get fucked properly, you would not be fighting like this. No. Like, I'm so sorry. You don't have orgasms. I'm sorry about your I lack know. of orgasms. I'm really sorry. I mean, maybe that you have not met someone. She, maybe she needs to explore herself. Yeah, honey, get up. Like. Go to fuck, go get a vibrator. You figure know, out how like, that clit works and then show your man <gasps> who obviously can't find it. Please. He would probably be so offended. Oh my God. Oh, this poor woman. I mean, her poor vagina. Maybe there should be an organization to like bring Republican women over. That's like, Honey, yes. teach you how yes. to like love yourself, love your body. Do you and know then how many maybe, women are walking around who've never had an orgasm? Yeah. And maybe that's the thing Yeah, that will make them realize how wrong everything is. Like maybe that's the eye open. That's the epiphany they need. Maybe. The orgasm is the epiphany they need. I really think it is about keeping women <laughs> from having pleasure. I, I mean, it's, oh, a, of it's course. that God's will, but also like women can't be sexual. It's, it scares oh, them to still, death. It scares them trapped. to death. Women are still trapped. Yeah. Listen, we're like a hop, skip and a jump from them cutting our clits off. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's from the handmaid. Is that the worst thing I've said on the podcast? Yeah, that's from the handmaid's <laughs> Is it? Oh God. Well, from the show. Um, oh God, I've never, yeah. I've never seen it. See, this is what I mean. I'd be fucking traumatized no, watching. No. I'd be like, it's, tra- it's traumatic. <laughs> it's traumatic. It's traumatic. What oh happens God. to this one? I woman. can't do it. I can't do it. I can't watch yeah. it. It's yeah. It's like her punishment. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, we're we're in a very bad place, and it's stuff that we used to speculate like this would never happen. I don't know. Maybe this could happen. We're here. We're, we're here. fucking here now. And it's like what? <laughs> I, I just. 
I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's okay. get started. You're first, yeah? Yeah. All right. Here we We're go. We're going to shift gears to just a ridiculous story. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank God. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of former New Jersey Senator James Turner. Hmm. So James Turner began his political career as a county commissioner before moving into a New Jersey House and then Senate member in 1972. But when he sets out to destroy a political rival, mm. he destroys his career instead. <laughs> oh, my God. This I'm getting story, uh, Jennifer. What's her, Wait, what's her name? Uh, Kathleen. Kathleen Kane. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So our story takes place in New Jersey, specifically in um, Gloucester. Am okay. I saying that right? Sounds like so. it. Who cares? Okay. It's New Jersey. Who cares? Jersey. Oh, All right. So Jersey. today is a little short and sweet, but I just found this incident interesting. And it, it actually reminded me too of that nut job um, who put the political ad out, that Eric Greiton, who put that political ad about we're hunting rhinos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. incredibly yeah. violent. Yes, yes. And he's like, it's irony. It's like, no, that's not what irony is, first By of the all. way. It's it, violence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I read this whole news story about a political guy and I was like, oh, I'm going to send, I sent it to myself. And then I started reading the article about him and I go, this is familiar. I've covered him on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and it was, he's already in trouble again. And I was oh like, oh my dude, God, this guy, we should do like uh, one updates. time, just like an update yeah, episode. Because I, was like, I would love when Matt Gates finds his way in jail to do a great update on him. For sure. So um, James Turner. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, he began his career career as a commissioner for the Gloucester County Board of Chosen Freeholders, which essentially just means like the county board. Okay. I don't know why it's called the of Chosen Freeholders. It's probably some old school yeah. name, but he also worked as a private investigator for 20 years. Ooh. And then in 1969, he's elected to the General Assembly, which is a state house seat. And when he um, then gets uh, a senator uh, position and he had a bill that appropriated uh, $25,000 to have police dogs sniff out pot. That was like one of his big bills. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So Turner wins the Senate election, but for whatever reason, instead of, you know, just doing his job and being a grown up, he decides to embark on this like Machiavellian scheme to take down what, according to the New York times prosecutors, uh, the New York times, um, article said the prosecutors described as quote his art his arch political rival mm. so this uh -huh. guy yeah this guy uh kenneth uh gerwitz so let me talk about gerwitz a little bit gerwitz served on the same general assembly as turner mm. but he was mayor and he kind of pissed people off he wore like these loud suits he drove an orange corvette at one point God. and when republicans refused to debate um because he was a Democrat, he hired a helicopter to fly over their annual picnic and it screwed things up on the ground because it's just hovering low. And like, <laughs> they're at the picnic and everything's it's, flying It's hard everywhere. to keep those tablecloths down. <laughs> it's hard to keep those down anyway. Oh my God. They got a helicopter blowing shit around. That's I mean, so but good. what a jerk. There goes know? the like, fucking, you don't want to debate me. Yeah, you don't want to debate me. Okay, here yeah. comes the helicopter. <laughs> so he liked, and he liked like the attention from the press oh for these God. antics, you know? The so like, he, yeah. I, so he's just like it's this like a rabble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So aside from that, I really couldn't find like a direct connection between Turner and Gerwitz, like, but they were still called these rivals. Okay. So, so how does one take down a Ugh, political rival, I want a rival who hasn't committed any crimes? Yeah. Well, you set him up to take the fall for a major fel felony. Oh! That's what you do. Oh, <laughs> yes. Let's go. <laughs> this is so stupid, this whole story. <laughs> so allegedly, Turner got a few co-conspirators to plant 
a shit ton of drugs in mm. Gerwitz's home. Hot. Like, can you imagine Oh, this? my God. So the co-conspirators were uh, this guy, Richard McDowell, uh, Richard McDowell's son, who was also called Richard McDowell, <laughs> Charles uh, Lentine, and Carl Yellen. And the co-conspirators, like this guy Lentine, had property and weapon charges against them. Mm. And Turner was going to help fix those charges. So he's like, you help me with this. Dang it. I'll get those charges so wiped. So stupid. Right? So dumb. And he would not only get 10K for doing that, but he'd also take out Gerwitz by making him look guilty. Wow. With the, the drugs. So he's like, okay, you guys pay me. You do this thing with Gerwitz and like all your shit goes away. Wow. And my, and this guy goes away too. Wow. So the New York Times reported at the time that they put drugs in Gerwitz's garage and car. And one of the conspirators, uh, Carl Yellen, planted 6,500 amphetamine pills Dang. at his house. Oh my God. That's a lot of fucking pills. Amphetamines too. It's like so like, yeah. you know, like 1970s. Like it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So um, what happened was Richard McDowell heard that they might get busted. So he goes to the cops. Oh my God. And he He's tells them what's going on. Dang it. Yes. And uh, it's so funny. And Gerwitz said that the plot against him was quote, Worse than the Watergate conspiracy involving the attempted bugging of Democratic National Headquarters in Washington. Because oh, he's down. so dramatic. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, dude, you're yeah. the mayor of this like town. Yeah. Like, it's relax. <laughs> um, one official said that, quote, it's one thing to spy on someone and even smear an opponent in an election campaign, but trying to frame someone by planting narcotics in their home, <laughs> that's something else. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Like, yeah. like, who even thinks, like, okay, we're going to just put a bunch of drugs. And then I guess what he was doing, he, like, because he knew cops, because he was his PI for years. Oh, right. So he's like, hey, go to their house. Go, go, go. You got to go check the garage. And the cops were like, this is, like, why do you want us to go there? Like, oh my God. it didn't what make sure. He's Come an on. idiot. He's Come an on. idiot. So according to the New York Times, um, Turner spent nearly a year trying to set uh, Ger Gerwitz uh, up to be charged and arrested for, quote, receiving stolen property and unlawfully manufacturing, possessing, distributing, and selling narcotic drugs and controlled dangerous substances. The New York Times reported that an officer, this is that cop, Mr. Cohen, testified that Turner pushed him to raid Gerwitz's house, which he found suspicious. He stated that Turner, quote, implored me. He beseeched me. He was practically screaming. He shouted, raid the house, raid the house. Oh my God. At that point, he practically ordered me to raise the house, raid the house. I told him I'd be especially in trouble if we raided the place and came up dry. He, yeah, you Turner, said, yeah. don't worry, you won't come up dry. Dang. There are narcot narcotics in there. Jesus. So basically like, no, 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 I'm telling you, there's going to be stuff. Like what a it's fucking so, idiot. What, like what an idiot. So the charges were uh, conspiracy, bribery, um, and providing false information. He turns himself into the police. <laughs> He's released on a $10,000 bond. And... Um, the thing I found interesting was his co-conspirator, um, Lentine, pled guilty. But during Turner's trial, they could not talk about Lentine's guilty plea because that could sway the jury. So, like, they couldn't include oh, any of that okay. information. It's yeah. always interesting to me, like, how trials work and what can be let in, what can be let out. And to me, like, that's a major piece of information. Yeah, yeah. But, I but it guess, would influence the jury. Yeah. So he was found guilty of conspiracy, bribery, oh, and giving nice. false info. Nice. The trial also revealed that one option on the table was to shoot Gerwitz. Oh, my God. But Turner didn't want to go that far. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Like, why does he hate him so much? I couldn't figure out like <laughs> what it was really. So he was sentenced to five years in prison. Afterwards, he was barred uh, from serving in the legislature. He, he couldn't run for reelection. He couldn't hold any other state office. But because he was a tool, Turner said that he would not be dropping out of the Senate race and noted, quote, I intend to win and I expect the Senate to seat me. Wow. But then, you know, um, after the appeal and all of that, uh, they try to remove Turner from the Republican primary candidate. Oh, wow. And uh, that failed. And because there's nothing like the American voter, he won the primary. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean. There's nothing like the American voter. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And thankfully. Well, you know what? Thankfully, he lost the Well, you know what, though? That's what it always comes down to. The American it's, voter. It is. It's just incredible. Because like all these people are fools, but at the end of the day, someone's got to vote them in. It's incredible. Someone's got to vote them yeah. in. Yeah. Damn. So um, he is indicted again for bribery while on appeal for the original case. Because remember with those co-conspirators, he's trying to arrange paroles. So it's like he had the one oh thing of like- Oh my God. With the narcotics, yes. but he's also like trying to get them out. So like he, he doesn't get elected or anything. Wow. And so some points of interest- um, he had strong ties, like I said, to law enforcement because not only was he that uh, private investigator, but he was like this expert on firearms. Mm-hmm. He had this like really great expertise, which I think gave him like the balls to like try to go against this Gerwitz guy. And apparently he would sit in session with a revolver and even showed folks a belt buckle that held a knife, according to the New York Times. So like, like he's just this aggressive. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and the other thing is like, even though they're, they were labeled as these political rivals like i i was like, trying to dig in and tr- find out like what is this all about they never ran against each other oh so one new york times article noted that they may one day would have to run against each other for a c- congressional seat okay but like that was really it like because like their seats were different like they, so weird yeah i mean unless like they, they were on that board and he just like they're combative like on yeah. issues on yeah. the board you know yeah. Um, in his Senate race before um, all of this nonsense, he won by 11 votes. The Dem he ran against, uh, Dominger, asked for a recount. Uh, Turner won. And then the race is what prompted the county to move to computerized voting rather than paper val- ballots. So, like, that was, like, one of the uh, earlier moves wow. to, like, this other thing. And that's really it. That's the story of this nut job, <laughs> James <laughs> Turner. <laughs> I mean, like... So what? You hate this guy. You're on the board together and you may down the road run against him in a congressional seat. So you're going to like try to get him sent to prison for drugs. It's it's ridiculous. It's wild. It's like super competitive. Yes. But it's so weird. Like, and that's so extreme. It's so extreme. I mean, I saw that. I was like, okay, this will be a fun little. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. We're Married with Television, marriedwithtv.com. We are a couple of Hollywood normies on the outskirts of the film and TV industry, and we talk about our favorite TV shows, music, and movies, and sometimes they talk back to us. Sometimes they do. Our podcast is Married with Television, one word, on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Possibly Amazon, soon. And we are a proud member of the Odd Pods Media Network. I love it. Mine's kind of lighthearted too. Oh, we need this. I know we we do. We need it. So I'm going to cover former first daughter of the president, Alice Roosevelt Longworth. (gasps) 
Oh, she's me, wild and fun. Mm-hmm. And I just loved every second of it. So no, no major like scandal, but just like this fun girl who like <gasps> didn't give a fuck. Oh, and I good. love it. Yeah. I love presidential kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the secret service, <laughs> I must be like, <laughs> yeah. God, I got to follow this one around. All By the day. way, you know how the president always gets like a code name. Did you hear during the hearings that Donald, did you hear what his code name is? Oh wait, I think I did. But remind me, remind Mogul. me. Mogul. <laughs> I they said like they were playing recordings. It was like Mogul's in the car. Mogul's in the beast, which is his big uh. fucking car. Mogul's in the beast. And I was like, Mogul. <laughs> he's the furthest. He's bankrupt. He is. He's, he's he's bankrupt. He's a fucking thief, basically. Oh my god. Oh my god. Anyway, I didn't hear that. That's that, funny. It I thought it was going to actually be like something really about his personality. <laughs> Instead, it's about a lie about how much money he thinks he has. Yeah, which is his personality, basically. Yeah, I guess. Okay, Ugh. so Alice Lee Roosevelt was Ooh. born on February 12th, 1884 <gasps> in the Roosevelt home at 6 West 57th Street in Manhattan. Her mother, Alice Hathaway Lee Roosevelt, was a Boston banking heiress. Her father, Theodore, was then a New York State Assemblyman. And as an Oyster Bay Roosevelt, Alice was a descendant of the Schuyler family. Oh, oh, Schuyler. Wait, wait, let's do the song. (laughs) (laughs) The Schuyler sisters. (laughs) I'm out. I haven't listened. I had to to take the fucking Hamilton soundtrack off my phone because it was always coming up. I'm like, not again. Like, not again. But yes. That family, that one. Oh my God. <laughs> Eliza. Yes. Uh, and Peggy. Yeah. Uh, so two days after her birth in the same house, her mother died of undiagnosed <gasps> kidney failure. Oh goodness. Awful. So 11 hours earlier that day, Theodore's mother, Martha Stewart Bullock, had also died of typhoid, fe- typhoid Jesus, fever. Jesus. Like, so this is a bad, bad couple of days. Bad. <laughs> a bad couple of days there for the Roosevelt's. Theodore was rendered so distraught by his wife's death that he could not bear to think about her. Aww. He almost never spoke her name again and would not allow her name to be mentioned in his presence <gasps> and even omitted her name from his autobiography. What? But of course, it's his daughter's name as well, right? Like oh, her name's Alice. Oh my God. Which, by the way, it's I love like, that I'm, name. I have like goosebumps from this. So therefore his daughter Alice was called Baby Lee instead of by her first name. She continued this practice late in life, often per- preferring to be called Mrs. L, which is her, her married name was Longworth, rather than Alice. Seeking solace, Theodore retreated from his life in New York and headed west, where he spent two years traveling and living on his ranch in North Dakota. He left his infant daughter... In the care of his sister Anna, known as Bammy or Bai. They all, you know, all these rich folks have these they like, all have fun the, yeah, names. Yeah, they all have these fun names. Yeah. Um, Why was I not born into a rich family? I know. But then they're all... Did you have nicknames as a kid? No. My, ki- my sister and brother, because my sister couldn't say Hillary, so she called me Riri. Oh and so that's my what my God. brother and sister always called me Riri. I love And sometimes that. they still do. And I that's go, so cute. <laughs> and one of my sister's friends, Kim, who I always see at Pride, she, I always hear, Riri! <laughs> Riri! And I go, oh, I love that. Hi, <laughs> Kim. That's so that's fucking the funny. That's thing. It's very cute. Um, and, and my son couldn't say my daughter's name, so he called her Mimi, which was... <gasps> So fucking cute. Oh, also, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh I miss them God. as babies. I do too. Fuck. But they're so. I they're know. both like, my children. I feel like are just always attached to me, and they're eleven, thirteen. 
Yeah, my son just got a phone for the first time and he calls me five times a day to tell me he loves me and misses oh me when he's not God. here. And I'm like, oh God. It's a good thing, but it's also like fucking heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. So Lazy. letters to Bammy reveal Theodore's cousin or concern for his daughter. In one 1884 letter, he wrote, quote, I hope Mousykins will be very cunning. I shall dearly love her, end quote. But don't you already dearly love her? Yeah. Like, why don't you get home and take care of that yes. baby, bitch? Uh, on the ranch. <laughs> hello. We're all heartbroken, but your daughters also need you to help yeah, raise like her. She's mom. <laughs> yeah, like Bammy had a significant influence on young Alice, who would later speak of her admiringly. She said, quote, if Auntie Bai had been a man, she would have been president, end Ooh. quote. Bammy took her under her watchful care, moving Alice into her book-filled Manhattan house until Theodore married again. And he married Edith Kermit Corot, who uh, Alice was, so then Alice went and lived with them now that okay. there's a woman to take care of the baby. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And through his marriage, this marriage, uh, through this marriage, Alice had five siblings, Theodore the third, Jesus, Kermit, Ethel, Archie, and Quinton. Wow. So she was the only child of the first marriage. Yeah. Theodore remained married to Edith until his death in 1919. And there were tensions between young Alice and her stepmother, Edith, who had known her husband's previous wife and made it clear that she regarded her predecessor as a beautiful but insipid childlike <gasps> fool. <laughs> wow. That's, the that's woman always is fun. Dead. That's always like, fun. The woman is dead. You got yeah. what you wanted. You have five kids. Like, come yeah. on. Edith once angrily told her that if Alice Hathaway Lee had lived, the mother, she would have bored Theodore to death. <gasps> wow talk about evil stepmother yes continuing tension with her stepmother and prolonged separation with li and limited attention from her father created a young woman who was independent outgoing and self-confident right like Good i don't need this her. bullshit when her father was governor of new york he and his wife proposed that alice attend a conservative school for girls in new york city uh, in response alice wrote quote if you send me i will humiliate you oh i will do something that will shame you i tell you i will oh yes <laughs> In later years, yes. but, yeah, she's like, no, I don't You're think so, You're not sending bitch. me away. Yeah, I know what the score is. Yeah. I know I, you need me to be very well yes. behaved. And so I know Ooh. exactly what I need to do to get out of this shit. Yes. But later, in later years, Alex, Alice expressed admiration for her stepmother's sense of humor and stated that they had shared similar literary tastes. So apparently they found some common All ground right. eventually. I mean, yeah. Following the 1901 assassination of President William McKinley in Buffalo, her father, who at the time was vice president, took office, uh, an event that she greeted with, quote, sheer rapture, end oh. quote. Alice became a celebrity and oh. fashion icon oh. at age 17. Oh. And at her social debut in 1902, she wore a gown of what became known as Alice Blue, sparkling, sparking a color trend in women's <gasps> clothing and a popular song called Alice Blue Gown. What? End quote. That's the name of the song. Alice <laughs> Blue Gown. I mean, really, it's right on the nose. <laughs> what this fucking no song subtlety. is about. No subtlety. No yeah, subtlety there. Yeah. So wow. now she's 17. She's in the fucking White beautiful. House. She's stunning. Oh. Like, you know how sometimes you see these old timey pictures yeah. or like paintings and you're like, what the fuck? This woman was gorgeous. Like oh. this beautiful fucking face you know with those cut cheeks and uh, that like ah uh, stunned stunning alice was the center of attention in the social context of her father's presidency and she thrived on the attention but she was annoyed by some of the restrictions that the attention places on her of course and in this alice resembled her father because he also liked to have all the attention but he liked he yes. didn't like the the criticisms i guess right she later said of her dad quote I love this quote so much. He wants to be the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral, uh, and the baby at every christening, end quote. 
That's a fucking quote wow. about her dad. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah. Wow. Center yeah. of attention. Yeah. He loves it. He Center loves it. Center of attention much. And by the way, a great trade if you want to be president of the United States. Yeah. You know, let's talk Ooh. about how if you want to be president, you have to be really a, a huge ego. You have yeah. to. Like you can rule the country. Yeah. What the fuck? It's, who, it's wild. Who thinks that about themselves? Not me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, no, me neither. I mean, that sounds scary and insane it to me. Her outspokenness and antics won the hearts of the American people who nicknamed her Princess Alice. Oh, Alice was known as a rule breaker in an era when most women conformed with social norms. The Journal des Dabats in Paris noted that in 15 months, Alice Roosevelt had attended 407 dinners, 350 balls, and 300 parties. Jesus, can <laughs> I have this life? Yeah, she doesn't turn down an invitation wow. to anything. One paper alleged that she had scandalously stripped down to her lingerie at a drunken orgy held in a Ooh! Newport, Rhode Island mansion Hi. and danced, danced atop, to ta- atop a table, a story that proved to be false, but... But wow. Yeah. yeah so she's just a little bit wild yeah. and they're going to just uh, take it. They're going to be hyperbolic about yeah. it and make it so yeah. much more than what it is. Exactly. She smoked cigarettes in public, rode in Ooh. cars with men, stayed out late partying, Ooh. kept a pet snake named Emily... What? Named Emily Spinach. Emily after her spinster aunt and spinach for its green color. She kept it in the White House and was seen placing bets with a bookie. (laughs) She fucking walked around the White House with a snake. I love this girl. I know. On May 11th, 1908, Alice amused herself in the Capitol's gallery at the House of Representatives by placing a tack on the chair of an unknown but middle-aged and dignified gentleman. (gasps) Upon encountering the tack with his bum, it quote like the burst of a bubble on the fountain like the bolt from the blue like the ball from the cannon the unfortunate fellow leapt up in pain and surprise <laughs> while she looked away she, <laughs> she's so crazy wow oh, i'd love to put a tack on like ted cruz's chair oh. <laughs> my god once a white house visitor commented on alice's frequent interruptions in the oval office often to offer political advice oh good <laughs> get in there give get your opinion in there she was like Ivanka Trump before Ivanka Ugh, Trump. Please. <laughs> the exhausted president commented to his friend, author Owen Wister, after she interrupted their conversation for the third time and he threatened to throw her out the window. And he said, quote, <laughs> this is a great quote too from, the, from her dad. Quote, I can either run the country or I can attend to Alice, but I cannot possibly do both. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's a handful. She's a fucking handful. But could you imagine like 19 open the door and be yes. like, here's my advice, yes. dad. <laughs> oh my God. We should all be a handful like yeah, Alice. No. Open the fucking we door to the Oval be Office. A yeah. Bang on that fucking door. Ooh. It's a compliment to me. Yes. Yeah. In 1905, Alice, along with her father, Secretary of War William Howard Taft, led the American delegation to Japan, Hawaii, China, the Philippines, and Korea. It was the largest such diplomatic mission thus far, composed of 23 congressmen, including her future husband, Nicholas Longworth, seven senators, diplomats, officials, and businessmen. During the cruise to Japan, Alice jumped into the ship's swimming pool, fully clothed, and coaxed Congressman William Bork Cochran to join her in the water. Putting a romantic, romantic spin on the story, newspapers reported that it was Longworth, who she would eventually Mary. Years later, Bobby Kennedy would kid her about the incident, saying it was it was outrageous for the time, to which the by then octogenarian Alice replied that it would only have been outrageous if she had removed her clothes. Ooh. <laughs> hey, spicy. I 
like this girl. <laughs> I know. In uh, December 1905, after returning to Washington from their diplomatic travels, Alice became engaged to Nicholas Longworth III, Ooh. a Republican U.S. House of Representatives member from Cincinnati, Ohio, who ultimately would rise to become Speaker of the House. The two had traveled in the same social circles for several years, but their relationship solidified during that tr- that cruise, that trip. Yeah. An heir of socially prominent Ohio family, Longworth was 14 years her senior and had a reputation as a Washington, D.C. playboy, by oh, the way. Oh, so they're both kind of little party animals. Yeah, but his picture, honey. He's no. not cute. No. Girl, no. what are you doing? I don't know. She was so... Get somebody hot. She was 21 when they married. He was 35, which doesn't seem so bad right now. No, but it's not that bad. He's but like... Nah, I don't know. Just get yourself a young hobby. I just thought to myself, if this is a ninety a Playboy in nineteen oh five, we have real problems with what the Playboy is. Playboy it was to the me, money. It's the money that makes him the Playboy. Yeah, but the Playboy to me right now is that fucking hot Ryan Gosling dressed as Ken from the Barbie oh movie. Oh my god! Have you seen these pictures of this motherfucker? I, th- I think I saw one on one of your uh, stories. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I used to want to fuck Ken when I was a kid. I'd what? do the Barbie Ken fucking. Oh yeah, I think they're little we all plastic did that. bits. Yeah, but now I'm like, hi Ken. Ryan Gosling is got to be the hottest motherfucker on the planet. He is cute. He's so fucking cute. He's funny. He is funny. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I bet I can make you laugh, Ryan. Woo! Come on the show, Ryan. Hi. I'll be your Barbie. <gasps> oh, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, Tina. We don't have room for Skipper. Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, was it Skipper or yeah. Skippy? Skipper. Skipper? <laughs> yeah, that's a little annoying sister. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Their wedding took place in February 1906 and was the social event of the season, of course. It was attended by more than a thousand guests with many thousands gathered outside hoping for a glimpse of the bride. Wow. She wore a blue wedding dress. (gasps) Amazing. And dramatically cut the wedding cake with a sword that she had borrowed from a military aide attending the reception. She's fucking badass. Uh, immediately after the wedding, the couple left for a honeymoon that included a voyage to Cuba and a visit to his family's house in Cincinnati. And this was followed by travels to England and the continent, which included having dinners with King Edward the seventh oh of the United Kingdom, Kaiser Wilhelm the second of Germany, Georges Clemenceau, White, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these fucking muggy, muggy. They bought a house at 2009 of Massachusetts Avenue, Northwest in Washington, D.C. Alice publicly supported her father's bull moose presidential candidacy in the 1912 presidential election while her husband stayed loyal to his mentor president william howard taft and was running for re-election for the republican ticket so well i mean i kind of like though that they can each have their yeah well own opinions but that's probably going to crumble something going to crumble yes well you know it doesn't it's not great yeah so her husband nicholas uh he was also running for re-election he lost his uh his seat yeah, and but he was then eventually reelected in 1914, and then he stayed in the house for the rest of his life, of course, because we don't have term limits. Oh, my God. Alice's campaign against her husband, not against her husband, but against the candidate, it caused right. a permanent, like, chill in their marriage where they weren't really... But, I mean, it's her dad. I mean... You know? Yeah, but once you get married, aren't you the property of the oh, husband? Oh, <laughs> he aren't knows you, who he married. Aren't you husband's property? <laughs> He knows who he married. This is a little spitfire. She's not going to bow down to her husband. She's not going to yield. But during their marriage, she carried on numerous affairs. She did? Yeah. Good for her. Get it, bitch. Get that dick. Uh, (laughs) As reported in Carol 
Bellenstahl's biography of Alice and in Betty Boyd's Carolis the Roosevelt women, as well as by time journalist, Rebecca Winters Keegan, it was generally accepted knowledge in DC that she had also had a long ongoing affair with Senator William Bora and the opening of Alice's diaries to historical researchers indicates that Bora was the father of her daughter, Paul- Paulina Longworth born Woo! in 1925. No, wait, uh, is Bora the guy she told to come in the pool with her? No, 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 no Alice was renowned for her brilliantly malicious humor even in this sensitive situation since she had originally wanted to name her daughter deborah as in deborah <gasps> of bora no <laughs> what damn bitch i love her even more yeah. wait is this guy hotter than the husband oh i don't know i gotta look up damn it i should look the picture of this Woo! guy and according to one family friend everybody called her called paulina aurora bora alice <gasps> And where's the husband in all this? Is he like, what the hell? <laughs> He's over in the house, <laughs> pouting. Oh my God. Oh my God, it's fucked up though. Wow. That's so, I mean, kind of mean. It's yeah. kind of mean. So after the presidency, when, he, when it came for the Roosevelt family to move out of the White House, Alice buried a voodoo doll of the first lady, Nellie Taft, in the front yard. <laughs> Later, the Taft White House banned her from the former no! residency. The first, but not the last administration to do so. Wow. <laughs> to ban her. During, wow. During Woodrow Wilson's administration, which also banned her in 1916 for a body joke at Wilson's expense, <laughs> Alice worked against the entry of the United States to the League of Nations. Like, she was fucking still involved. She doesn't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, God, I mean, I love this. Yeah. I mean, it's her power and privilege and all yeah. of that money that sort of let her do this, but hey. I know. She uh, published an autobiography called Crowded Hours. The book sold well and received rave reviews. Alice's wit could have political effects on friend and foe alike. When columnist and cousin Joseph Wright Alsup V claimed that there was grassroots support for Republican presidential candidate Wendell Wilkie, the Republican hoped to defend FDR in 1940. She said, yes, the grassroots of 10,000 country clubs. Wow. (laughs) During the 1940 presidential campaign, she publicly claimed that she'd rather, quote, rather vote for Hitler than vote for Franklin for a third term, end quote. Hey. Alice demolished Thomas Dewey, the 1944 opponent of her cousin Franklin, by comparing the pencil mustache Republican to, quote, the bridegroom on the wedding cake, end quote. She's like, she just doesn't (laughs) stop. She doesn't quit. The image stuck and Governor Dewey lost his two consecutive presidential elections. Oh, man. Alice's daughter, Paulina Longworth, married Alexander McCormick Strum, with whom she had a daughter, Joanna. And Alexander died in 1951. So like six years after the daughter or five years after the daughter was born, Paulina herself died in 1957 (gasps) from an overdose of sleeping pills. Oh no. I know. Not very long before Paulina's death, she and Alice had discussed the care of Joanna in case she died because the husband had died and Alice fought for and won the custody of her granddaughter whom she raised. In contrast to Alice's relationship with her daughter, she doted on her granddaughter and two or the two of them were very close in an article in American Heritage in 1969, Joanna was described as, quote, a highly attractive and intellectual 22-year-old and was called a notable contributor to Mrs. Long's, Longworth's youthfulness. Aww. The bonds between them are twin cables of devotion and a healthy <gasps> respect for each other's tongue, Mrs. Aww. L says as a friend, and has been a wonderful father and mother to Joanna, mostly father. <laughs> I love this. I know. Um, so her interest in politics, obviously, she had yeah. most of her life. Um, and when her, um, 
advancing age and illness incapacitated her aunt Bammy. Alice stepped into her to her place as an unofficial political advisor to her father. Oh, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, you know, she married her. Uh, she warned her father against challenging the renomination of How- William Howard Taft in 1912. She took to hard uh, took a hardline view of the Democrats in her youth and sympathized with the conservative wing of the Republican Party. Mm. She supported her half-brother, Theodore Roosevelt Jr., when he ran for governor of New York in 1924. And when Franklin D. Roosevelt ran for president in 1932, Alice publicly opposed his candidacy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, writing in the Ladies' Home Journal in October 1932, she said of FDR, politically his, quote, politically his branch of the family and ours have always been in different camps. And the same surname is um, about all we have in common. Wow. I am a Republican. I am going to vote for Hoover. If I were not a Republican, I would still not vote. I would still vote for Mr. Hoover this time. Well, oh, please. Yeah. Although Alice did not support John F. Kennedy in the 1960 election, she became very enamored of the Kennedy family and, quote, learned how amusing and attractive Democrats could be. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> she we are amusing. Yeah. And we're attractive. Well, right. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> she develops an affection uh, affectionate, although sometimes strained friendship with Bobby Kennedy, perhaps because of the relatively, uh, his relatively thin skin. When Alice privately made fun of his scaling, uh, the newly named Mount Kennedy in Canada, he was not amused. And he <laughs> none of these guys have a sense of humor, no. like at all. She developed a genuine friendship with Richard Nixon when he was vice president in 1957. He served as a pallbearer at Paulina's funeral, her daughter's oh. funeral. When he returned to California after Dwight Eisenhower's second term and his loss in the 1960 presidential election, she kept in touch and did not re- and did not consider his political career to be over. That thanks it wasn't. a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah, she encouraged him to re-enter politics. And oh, continue to thanks invite him a to, lot, to Alice. To famous dinners. Can't you just go to your fancy parties? <laughs> Nixon returned these favors by inviting her to his first formal White House dinner to the, and to the 1971 wedding of his daughter, Trisha Nixon. Alice was a lifelong member of the Republican Party, but her political sympathies began to change when she became close to the Kennedy family and Lyndon Johnson. She voted Democratic in 1964 and was known to be supporting Bobby Kennedy in the 1968 Democratic primary. Uh, after Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1968, Alice again, again supported her friend Richard Nixon in his 68 and 72 elections just as he had done for against Kennedy, yeah. right? She was recorded in a telephone conversation with Nixon in the Nixon White House tapes, sharply criticizing the 1972 Democratic nominee of George McGovern. Her long friendship with Nixon ended at the conclusion of the Watergate scandal, oh. specifically when Nixon quoted her father's diary at his <gasps> resignation saying, quote, only if you have been to the lowest valley can you know how great it is to be the, at the beyond the highest mountaintop, end quote. This infuriated Alice, who spat curse words at her television <gasps> screen as she watched him compare his early departure from the White House to her, her idealistic young father's loss of his wife and mother on the same day of his illness. Oh. So he said that when his, he was quoted in the paper saying that when his wife and his mother died within those few days of each oh, other. No. And Nixon used it when he was leaving office. Oh, come on. After he had been committed crimes. Yeah. Mm. So she's like, screw you. Yeah. You jerk. Yeah. So Nixon said of her that she was the most interesting conversationalist of the age and no one, no matter how famous, could ever outshine her. Wow. That's incredible, right? Yeah. So in 1955, she fell and suffered a broken <gasps> hip. And in 1956, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh. And though she successfully underwent a, underwent a mastectomy at the time, cancer was found in her other breast in 1970 and she required a second mastectomy. Um, after many years of ill health, Alice died in her embassy row house on February 20th, 1980, eight days after her 96th birthday. Wow. 
She is buried in Rock Creek Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And she's she was the longest living child of a U.S. president. Wow. It's incredible, right? Um, a couple of quotes that just to end it. Uh, when a well-known Washington senator was discovered to have been having an affair with a young woman less than half his age, she quipped, quote, you can't make a souffle rise twice. And quote. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> she said in a 60 wow <laughs> she is sharp i she said, just love it <laughs> she said in a 60 minutes interview mm. with eric severide televised, televised on february 17th 1974 that she was a hedonist which i thought was very interesting Ooh. um of her quotable comments alice's most famous found its way onto uh, uh you know into the lexicon basically of our time it's quote if you can't say something good about someone sit right here next Ooh, to me that's quote. like my favorite it's from yeah. uh, steel magnolias yeah. uses that yeah. <laughs> that's from that's one of her that's one of her famous i quotes. love me too because you could see her at those parties yes. like living her fucking yes. best life right Come sit here and let's talk yeah so good Ooh. that's alice roosevelt longworth i love that I, me too so fuck good. the system constantly yes. always fuck the system you know what i mean yes i love it all right. Well, you're going on vacay. Yay! So excited. Yeah. So excited. I will let you know how it goes. Yes. And I, I get to see wait. Gabriella, which I'm so excited about. Gabriella. I miss Gabriella. Me too. She is such a good person. Damn it. Ugh. She got out too. Just so I'm always so yes. jealous people get out of Florida. Yes. And she loves it. Like that's the yeah. thing. She loves it. Yeah. It's cold and but she still loves it. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, I guess that's it. That's it. All right. I will. Don't forget to check out Lauren Book this Friday. Yes. Lauren Book. Lauren Book. Love it. All right. That's it. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.